Good evening. Welcome back to our evening assembly. Please let me begin in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. In these early chapters of Genesis, there are creation principles. And I mean by that truth we can fix in our minds which will equip us to understand things that come after Genesis chapter 1. Truth we can fix in our minds, which will equip us to understand what comes after Genesis chapter 1. I want you to look with me at verse 27. I apologize for the technological flaw, but you have it before you there. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Well, this is not new information for a Sunday evening crowd. This may be something that we learned in the very early years of life in Bible classes when we were children. God made us, God created human beings, and it says here, in His own image. Now, that causes an inquiry. What does that mean? Everything else in the Bible, by either affirmation or clear conclusion, informs our understanding of what it means that we were made in His image. We know that it doesn't mean we look like God in physical structure. God is a spiritual being without physical form. We know it doesn't mean that we can do everything God can do. We cannot create human life or raise the dead or control the weather. Scripture leads us to the right conclusion. We have certain characteristics God decided to put in us that we share with God. Let me give you three examples. Number one, God is a communicator. He made us so we can communicate. Number two, God is a thinking God. He made us so that we are able to think and learn. And number three, God has feelings or emotions, and He made us with that capacity. Now let's work with that for just a moment or two. The Bible says that God loves, the Bible says that God hates sin, and the Bible says that God is capable of joy and sorrow. Then the Bible tells us that we are capable of love, hate, joy, and sorrow. Now stop and consider that God made rocks and trees and dirt, but they do not have those components. Physical things or neutral, natural things were made by God, but not in His image. We were made 
in God's image and through the study of Scripture, we conclude that there are attributes and capacities we have that God installed in us as human beings. And one of those capacities God put in us is emotions. And in the study tonight, we're going to think about how Christians deal with emotions. How Christians are to control their emotions. God gave us something. Like everything God gives, we have responsibility to use what God gives applying good discipline. We're talking about that part of us that feels emotional capacity. It is subject to good discipline, and that's where we want to take the study tonight. Now, the Bible gives us an example of people with emotions out of control. Are you still open to Genesis? Would you look with me in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10? Let's see what it says. The narrative in Genesis 4, 1 through 10. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Cain was jealous, but had no grounds for jealousy or anger. God didn't accept his worship. Cain's reaction shows emotion out of control. He killed his brother, whose worship was acceptable to God. And notice when God spoke to Cain, he spoke to him about self-control. He said, you must rule over it. Here we have an example of a man who was made in the image of God, like all humans. He was granted emotional capacity, yet he did not apply good discipline. Now, over against that example, would you consider Jesus Christ? 
He too was made in the image of God. He came to the earth in a human body and he had emotional capacity. Unlike Cain, Jesus applied discipline to his emotions, his feelings. He is our example of self-control ruling over your emotions. If anyone who has ever lived on earth had a reason to blow up in anger, Jesus did. Would you consider how he was treated? And just think about it for a moment from a worldly perspective. Jesus had what many in the world would call justification or sufficient reason to take vengeance into his own hand and lash out at people who were punishing him. Yet, the Bible says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. <coughs> Jesus had emotions, but what he illustrates is discipline. When someone hurt him, he did not immediately think of hurting them back or exacting quick vengeance. He was reviled, but without impulsive emotional payback response. He never allowed his emotional capacity to find unwise or hurtful expression. Loyalty to his father kept his thoughts and his emotions under good control. We observe in the life of Jesus the full range of legitimate human emotions, yet never any sin, never any compromise, never any loss of control. Let me give you a little review, and you'll remember this. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. He wept as he approached Jerusalem, according to Luke 19. He showed tenderness in the presence of little children in Mark 10. He was angered by the hardened hearts of sinners in Mark 3, 5, but without sin. He showed emotions when driving out the money changers from the temple in John 2. But in these and other narratives and reactions, Jesus is teaching us by his example, you can have emotions without letting them lead you into sin. So, here's what we have. Cain illustrates an absence of discipline. Jesus illustrates the presence of discipline. When it comes to emotions and control of one's emotions, Cain illustrates an absence of discipline. Jesus illustrates the presence of discipline. Then, Jesus gave instruction that we can apply to be emotionally mature. Jesus sent apostles to reveal His will that we have written in the New Testament. These writings are rich with simple instruction from Jesus for us to learn emotional maturity. Can you be opening to James chapter 1? James chapter 1, and that will be followed by Galatians 5. And our point is, these writings that Jesus gave through the apostles are rich 
with simple instruction from Jesus for us to learn <clears throat> emotional maturity. James 1, 19 and 20. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Jesus is giving us this through James to train us and warn us not to let anger lead to sin. This is a passage that urges us to slow down, guard our reactions, knowing that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is instruction from Jesus through James, given by the Holy Spirit in the book that has authority over us to discipline our emotions. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, each quality listed here, when embraced and nurtured from the Word into your heart and then maintained, is a safeguard against emotional upheavals or ill-conceived reactions. May I say again, each quality listed here in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is a safeguard against emotional upheavals or ill-conceived reactions. If I will use the Word of God to make certain that I'm involved in developing and nurturing these qualities, it's going to help me control my emotions. One in particular, self control. When you open the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit train you in these qualities of mind and life, you are guarding yourself against emotional extremes. In these two passages and many others, the Lord is teaching us the necessity and the attitudes essential to good emotional maturity, good emotional health. There are four things I want to stress. Emotions are not limited to anger. Maybe the first thought we have about emotions concerns anger. That's only a part of the total spectrum of emotional capacity God gave us. Our young people sometimes hear the equivalent of this phrase. If it feels good... It must be okay. Go ahead and do it. That was shouted and widely accepted during the 1960s sexual revolution. If it feels good, do it. Songs were written to convey that in the chorus. First of all, the Bible never says anything like that. When you hear clever statements and tempting cliches Always consult your Bible before you embrace it. 
Young people, listen carefully. When you hear clever statements and tempting cliches like that, always consult your Bible. Let your parents, grandparents help you see what the Bible says about that. God can, expects us to control ourselves and devote mind and body to Him. And so in Romans 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And when somebody says, if it feels good, do it, that's not good, acceptable, and perfect before God. Emotions were not given to guide us. One of the most important things we can learn about emotions from the Word of God is that they were not given to guide us. We have a very specific statement in Jeremiah 10, 23, that it is not in man who walks to guide his own steps. Now, where did God install emotional capacity? Within those that he made in his own image, within man. Jeremiah says it is not within man who walks to guide his own steps. Guidance from God comes through His Word, not through our inner impulses and emotions. Something may feel right in the moment of temptation, but when you slow down and you consult what God has said, God has legislated against it and warned us against it. Now this can be applied to alcohol and sexual temptation and a multitude of other choices where Impulse and emotion takes us right into the door the devil has opened. It may feel good, but be as wrong as wrong can be. Emotions were not given to guide us. Now, there are good emotions. In Galatians 5, we read about joy. You want to read more about that, open the book of Philippians sometime and read through it. It'll take 15, 20 minutes. And understand that when you obey the gospel and as you live your life as a Christian, there is the greatest reason for joy. Even when we encounter trials and suffering, Paul said in Romans 5, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Emotions in general are neutral. How we use emotions can be either positive with discipline or negative without it. Do you know there are emotions that may not feel good but can lead to good? There are emotions that may not feel good at first but can lead to good. I want to talk to you about shame. God gave us a mental capacity called conscience, something else He installed when He made us in His image. Conscience. When your conscience is programmed with God's Word and you violate God's Word, conscience sends you a signal. 
and you feel shame. We call it guilt. Did you know that can be good? If it prompts genuine repentance and return to God. When God's Word is presented and it hits you, and you discover that you're guilty of something, that can prompt good repentance and return to God. Guilt and shame can be emotionally painful, but can lead to good outcome when genuine repentance is prompted and there is follow-through. One of the best examples we have of this is David. After his sin with Bathsheba, and then after Nathan's rebuke of David. David tells us in the book of Psalms, I was miserable. I was sick. Emotionally, David was a broken man. A guilty conscience. But what did it lead to? It led to repentance and forgiveness received. Shame and guilt are emotions that can work in us, genuine repentance and its fruit. And so, here's what the lesson is about tonight. God made us in His image. And that means along with other components, we human beings have emotional capacity, a wide range of of feelings. Now, if God gave us that, like every other gift granted to us by God, the expectation is that we exercise good stewardship, responsibility, self-discipline, self-control, awareness of our feelings. Following Jesus' example, not Cain's example. And then using the teaching of Christ to build into our minds good and steadfast discipline. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Would you be standing as we sing?